we can't solve a problem that we don't fully understand. So we started by calculating our, our carbon footprint. What's scope one, what's scope two, what's scope three, by doing some carbon math, as we call it. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. I'm John Faella. We're excited to be back with season two and have a fantastic lineup of guests this year. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and please leave us a review. At our recent Renewable Energy Forum, our Director of Content and Research, Deborah Channel, had the unique opportunity to sit down with Vanessa Miller-Fells, Director of Energy Innovation and Impact at Microsoft to discuss their strategy for driving decarbonization with digital innovation. We were absolutely blown away by the insights Vanessa shared with us and knew this is the perfect way to kick off our second season. You may hear some background noise as this was recorded virtually, but the content is just too good not to air. So listen carefully. Here's Deborah and Vanessa. Hi, everybody. I want to welcome you to the opening keynote of our virtual renewable energy sourcing forum. And I'm really happy to be able to present this session. It is called Driving Decarbonization with Digital Innovation. And our guest is Vanessa Miller-Fells, who is Director of Energy Innovation and Impact at Microsoft. And I want to read a quote. Microsoft, as you probably know, made a pretty big announcement earlier this year. And the rationale for some of it was, And I quote, those of us who can afford to move faster and go further should do so. Microsoft is a great example of that. And we're going to talk a lot about what their strategies and their goals are. But first, let's start. Vanessa, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role at Microsoft? Thanks, Deborah. I think you've you've introduced me pretty well. Not much more to say. I'm part of the corporate sustainability team. And the team really serves as a hub and spoke for sustainability solutions, solutions that we apply to our operations to meet our goals, particularly the carbon negative goal that you mentioned that we made earlier this January, and also the solutions that we develop with and for our customers. And these would be digital technology solutions that we deploy across different industry sectors but for my preview, they'd be focused on the energy sector or sectors that use a lot of energy. So let's talk a little bit about that January announcement and the goals. And I would say Microsoft is certainly at the cutting edge in terms of the ambition and the scope of their sustainability goals. So let's start by talking about what goals were revealed during that January announcement. And I think it was referred to as the world's next moonshot. No pressure there. Yeah, we love to use that and we continue using it throughout. We have some, sometimes we use code names for projects. And so we're like looking back at the history of going to the moon and kind of calling our, our projects, Project Mercury, Project Apollo. I think it's a great inspiration, particularly in this time where, where science is kind of 
becoming key again. But why do we say a moonshot? Because we have a 10-year roadmap here in front of us. Our goal is by 2030. And our journey did not start this January. We started more than 10 years ago. So we'll be 20 years looking back when we're in 2030. We decided that carbon neutral and net zero was not enough in January. And you mentioned one of it with the quotes you read earlier. Two reasons. We believe we all need to accelerate our ambition because as we listen to science, we understood that the next decade is critical for the world to meet the Paris Agreement goal. And second, we believe that technology and our technology can help us get on the right pathways. And we think we have a role and a responsibility. And when you think about climate change, it does not impact everybody the same way. In fact, it, it tends to impact those that have contributed the least the most. And so when we think about what we can do to contribute to solve climate change, we thought we could contribute more than others. We have maybe some of the tools that others don't have. So we committed to be carbon negative by 2030. And what does that mean? Again, it's a step away from carbon neutral, net zero goals. It's really looking at removing more carbon out of the atmosphere than we are responsible for every given year. And in addition to that, we pledge to remove all of Microsoft's historical emissions by 2050. And that's interesting because when I say that, it always strikes me like, That means we have to remove 45 years of carbon emissions. Microsoft is 45 years old, which seems astonishingly old (laughs) for a tech company. But we need to remove 45 years of carbon emissions. So that's kind of all of the carbon since our inception. And one of the key challenges, obviously, is is data. And that that I think will be part of our conversation throughout. But data is, is where we see a lot of our innovation coming our way. And they're also within that, there are some interim goals, right? And I've got, well, you'll know this better than me, but 100% renewable energy by 2025, that's covering all data centers and buildings, a vehicle fleet electrification goal globally by 2030. What else can you tell us? I know there's some scope three goals in there as well. Yes, absolutely. So you're right. As part of this big moonshot, there's in fact a lot of mini moonshots. We like, in fact, to use the metaphor internally of sprints and marathons, and we think we are on a marathon. I mean, it is it is more than a 10-year marathon for, for the globe, but we structured our governance internally has been structured around sprints, quarterly sprints, where we want to deliver kind of innovation and kind of have a drumbeat that's a quarterly drumbeat. It's pretty intense. <laughs> and so if you think of that relay of, Prince and Marathon with the, end, with the end game of 2030, well, that's the same way we have this one moonshot, but it's structured in many milestones. So there's milestones for each of the scopes, scope one, scope two, and scope three. You mentioned the ones that, that pertain to scope two, which are basically scope two for, for the audiences, all the emissions that come from the electricity that powers our operations all of Microsoft operations. So that will be our data centers and our campus facilities. And we've pledged to power all of our facilities with 100% renewable energy. That means we're gonna reduce the carbon emissions from scope two to near zero or potentially zero. 
we meet that milestone of 100% renewable energy by 2025. And then we have additional goals that pertains to our scope one. We pledge to have our data centers be diesel free by 2030, to have our campus fleet electrified by 2030. And then when when we talk about scope three, scope three are the emissions that are the results of activities from assets that are not owned or controlled by Microsoft, but that Microsoft indirectly impacts in its value chain. So it includes, for example, the scope one and two emissions of all of the organization that we purchase from. It includes what we call our upstream and downstream value chain. So a large portion will be our supplier scope one and scope two emissions. And another big segment would be the use of sold products. So you may know that Microsoft is not only a software company, but it's also a hardware company. We build and manufacture devices like Surfaces and Xbox, and the electricity that powers these devices, that's reflected in our scope three. That's called use of sold product. That's category 11. That represents about a quarter of Microsoft global greenhouse gas emissions every year currently. We have a goal of reducing our scope three emissions by over 55% by 2030. And let's talk a little bit. One of the ways that this work is going to be funded is through an internal carbon fee, which I believe you've had since 2012. And that's been increased. Talk a little bit about how that works. That's a great question. And this is a huge governance piece to our moonshot effort. So we started in 2012 by installing that carbon fee. And that carbon fee is not just a carbon price or a shadow carbon price that would be factored in the investment decisions that Microsoft makes. It is a fee that's being paid by each business group for the carbon emissions that their group is responsible for. So each group pays a fee based on their scope one and two initially. And as of July 2020, they're now paying for the portion of their scope three. We've progressively increased that fee from a few dollars a metric ton to $15 a metric ton today. And it may or may not be related to where you see the price of carbon in, in a given market. For example, in Europe with the EU ETF, I mean, it's definitely been fluctuating around these two kind of bandwidth. But what is, it, what is interesting is it's really served as a catalyst for change within the organization. So first, it is used to spur innovation and to finance innovation internally, but it is also used to change how we think about sustainability within the organization and how it becomes embedded in everything we do. It makes the price of carbon visible and also the impact of sustainability visible to the leaders. Before we dig a little deeper onto scope three, since we're talking about money, there's a $1 billion climate innovation fund to develop carbon reduction and removal technologies. Talk about that a little bit, because that's an impressive sum. It is impressive, and it and we have to be humble at the same time. We know that climate change is in a trillion, so put that in, into perspective. But for a company to commit that sum is indeed significant. And so this will be deployed in the next four years and is really to help address the technology barriers 
that we're facing today to put the world on a 1.5 degree pathway and obviously to put Microsoft on a 1.5 degree pathway. We believe there are technology innovation that are already happening that needs to be scaled or to be deployed in different markets than maybe where they're deployed today. But we also believe that there is room for further innovation and technology innovation and actually what this fund will be focused on. And they are a key area, for example, of opportunity from our perspective is carbon removal technologies, whether they are natural-based solutions, uh, whether they're engineering solutions. In terms of these goals that are fairly ambitious, you've got, let's talk about the pluses. You've got a, a finance structure in place to pay for it. You've got you and your team ready and willing. You've got the resources of Microsoft behind you. Those are all pluses. What are some of the challenges that you see in meeting these goals? I think you said it in your question. It's not going to be enough just to have Microsoft moving. And that's why it's so important that we partner and and work with and for our customers on these challenges and that we innovate together. For example, recently we announced a partnership with BP. And when I look at Microsoft's carbon footprint, we're talking about 16 million metric ton of CO2. When you look at at BP's carbon footprint, you're looking at over 400 million tons of CO2. So the impact that we can have and the solution that can be deployed at scale will also come from some of our key partners and customers. So it's it's really that ecosystem and contributing to that ecosystem that will make us successful. It is not just about kind of cleaning our own house, though it does start with that. And it does start with how we get our operations to more than carbon zero, but carbon negative. But it also goes beyond that. The impact we can have can be much broader if we innovate the right way with the right partner and customers. And that leads right into going a little bit more in depth on scope three, because that's all about partners and customers. And again, Microsoft's work on scope three is is pretty advanced, a lot more advanced than most companies. It's a hot topic. It's a big pain point. It's uncharted territory for most companies. So tell us about Microsoft's take on Scope 3 emissions and their plan. That's a big one. <laughs> Again, as I've talked about kind of milestones for a longer moonshot, it's likely going to be the same way for Scope 3. On our journey that led to, to this announcement in January, we've developed a few principles that are leading kind of our sustainability commitment. The first principle was put data first. And that doesn't come as a surprise from a company like Microsoft, but it's, we can solve a problem that we don't fully understand. So we started by calculating our, our, our carbon footprint, what's scope one, what's scope two, what's scope three, by doing some carbon math, as we call it. The second principle was take responsibility for your carbon footprint. So, you know, focus on your operations. And the third principle was empower others, partners and customers around the world to also assess and address their own carbon footprint. Well, when we look about scope three, I like to think about leveraging these same principles. We first starting by focusing on data, and that is the, the main pain point that we're facing for sure, not only ourselves, but also fellow companies that have set scope three emissions. And then kind of figuring out how do we partner with our suppliers or how do we address the carbon footprint of our devices or the hardware we sell? And then third, how do we develop solutions that not only will be deployed by ourselves, 
for our smaller footprint, but that could be deployed by others. So how can we create solution that will really change how market operating or how carbon is emitted throughout the economy? So these are kind of the same three principles we'll take down. But if we focus on data, data is a significant pain point where we expect a lot of innovation to happen over the next coming years, as a lot of companies are focusing on better assessing and better measuring the carbon footprinting or their carbon footprint. My next question, I'm going back to another quote from that January release. And this is about empowering customers around the world. The quote is, perhaps most importantly, we will develop and deploy digital technology to help our suppliers and customers reduce their carbon footprint. So let's talk a little bit about the role of digital innovation in decarbonization. What are some of the leading elements for you in this digital innovation? Thank you so much, Sarah, for that question. As I mentioned earlier, our footprint is 16 million metric ton. We have customers that have footprint 10, 100 times, potentially 500 times bigger than that. So really what the technology we can deploy to help them address their footprint is just so much more impactful. When we try to address their footprint, we first listen to kind of their key challenges and kind of try to see where are the key areas of opportunities. But one that's common to a lot of these customers that we're speaking with is the importance of energy and particularly the importance of electricity in their carbon footprint. When you look at the IEA Sustainable Development Goals, three quarter of the carbon emissions potential, the carbon emissions reduction potential comes from the electricity and the energy sector at large. So there is a huge opportunity in creating the energy systems and the electricity system of tomorrow that will support the decarbonization of the economy. So that means a grid that's fully decarbonized. And to get to a grid that's fully decarbonized, we know we'll need grid optimization. We'll need to completely dramatically kind of change how the grid is being operated to be able to absorb intermittent energy yet powering facilities 24-7. That integration is a critical challenge that we're very excited to work with a number of customers, whether they're TSOs or utilities across the world. And then in addition to the grid decarbonization, another key piece that we often start focusing on is how do you electrify some sectors that otherwise are large contributors of emissions like obviously the transportation sector, the IoT play, the Internet of of Things play for transportation is also an area of of massive investment for Microsoft, but also a massive opportunity for not only Microsoft and and the cloud, but the economy at large. And they really go in and in. You can't kind of really decouple. And in fact, in the EU, I like that they use this this expression, which is is called sector coupling. You won't be able to solve kind of the energy challenges without looking at the transportation challenges and vice versa. And I think that's very interesting. It also brings me to another word that we that we focus more and more on is the nexus. How do we deliver on our environmental goals by doubling down on some of them or by making sure that we're leveraging kind of the most of each other? 
goals. And so how do we look at our energy goal through the lens of water or of waste or vice versa? And the role that technology can play in addressing some of these nexus and sector coupling issues is quite interesting. The interconnectedness of everything is so interesting. It makes it complicated and challenging, but definitely worthwhile. And I just want to end, obviously, Microsoft is cutting edge, and we've got a pretty wide variety of energy and sustainability and facility executives listening in today who are in various stages of their own journey. So for someone just starting out and looking at decarbonization and their own sustainability goals, what's the first step? What advice would you give? I love this question because I I don't think there is any right step as long as it is a step towards decarbonization. And I would say we've taken many steps. I even used to say that there were many shades of green in the sense that we used to get to carbon zero for scope two emissions by buying and bundle RECs, renewable energy credits. And that was kind of the golden standard 10 years ago for most companies. And then we shifted because as the market evolved and also the companies kind of evolved, we started investing in renewable power purchases agreements. And that became the new golden standard. And now we're potentially looking at a, at a newer or a greener golden standard with 24-7. I mean, it's a journey. There's no right and wrong. We're all testing kind of solutions. But as long as the end game is really to deploy solutions that will reduce carbon at scale at the lowest cost, I think it's worth kind of trying. So say try, test, measure, kind of go back to the carbon math, to the carbon truth, to make sure you've made the right investment and be able to measure your investment in kind of carbon reduction. But also it's with part, be humble. It's we're part of a, of a big effort, a big collective effort. Everybody is kind of trying to bring their own brick to the edifice. Great way to describe it and a great way to end this. Vanessa Miller-Fells, I want to thank you so much for sharing Microsoft's journey with us. It's going to be interesting. I bet if we have this conversation a year from now, I wonder what the next big thing is going to be. It's really interesting to watch. So thank you for being with us today. I'd like to thank Vanessa and Deborah again for this fabulous conversation and hope you walk away from this episode as inspired as we were when we originally heard it. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for listening to the podcast and being a part of the growing Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your friends, colleagues, and peers about it. To learn more about how you can become part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, click on the link in the show notes for more information. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition and smart energy voices on our website and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. 
Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.